Hello. Welcome to Discovering Jazz, where you and I together discover great music, picking up information to keep jazz old and new alive. My name is Larry Sademan, here in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, sponsored by Peterborough Independent Podcasters. And here we are at part two of what I call Albums That Can Seduce a Jazz Newbie. Some more essential jazz albums. For those of us still in the beginner discovery process, all these albums have been recommended in at least one jazz blog as a good way to seduce the non-jazz lover into becoming a jazz lover. Starting with one that was mentioned by four bloggers, as well as people I know personally. And it was also an early discovery for me, since I, as a youth, was given a manufacturer's reel-to-reel tape of this album. It introduced complex and ever-changing time signatures to the world of jazz. It's Dave Brubeck's Time Out album from 1959. I'm going to play Kathy's Waltz which alternates between a fast waltz and a swinging 4-4 time, and at one point even merging the two time signatures. Brubeck said it was named after his daughter, Catherine, who was always dancing around and dancing really funny steps. And you'll notice at the end of the phrase something that sounds like a well-known Beatles song. But of course, it was recorded four years before anybody had ever heard of the Beatles, the Dave Brubeck Quartet.
Kathy's Waltz, Dave Brubeck Quartet with Paul Desmond on alto sax, Eugene Wright bass, and Joe Morello drums. And do you think that Paul McCartney might have been listening to that Time Out album before he wrote All My Lovin'? I guess we could look it up and see what, what some of the Beatle historians have to say about that. It could have been a coincidence. One really can't do an introduction to jazz program without featuring the man who virtually invented the style of syncopation that has typified jazz and swing over the years. Every jazz artist in the world was probably somehow directly or indirectly influenced by Louis or Louis Armstrong. A blog called 20 Essential Jazz Albums for Beginners starts out by listing Satchmo at Symphony Hall on their list from a concert recorded 1947 in Boston featuring great ensemble work plus fine solos by trombonist Jack Teagarden, Armstrong's trumpet, pianist Dick Carey, Arbel Shaw on bass, the clarinet of Barney Biggard, and it's all held together by the powerful drumming of Big Sid Catlett. Kid Ory's Muskrat Ramble, Louis Armstrong. Now, for all the musicians in the house, we'd like to jump Muskrat Ramble, right?
Muskrat Ramble from Satchmo at Symphony Hall, 1947. Louis or Louis Armstrong. The first pronunciation is the French way, the way it's pronounced in Louisiana, but he would later pronounce his name Louis, so take your choice. I've been listening to a lot of Thelonious Monk lately, and while you don't normally think of him as a musician designed to introduce a newbie to jazz, his unique style can appeal to those of us who find the tendency of beboppers and hardboppers to ignore the melody to be a bit off-putting. Monk might have done some weird things, but his playing was always melody-focused. Two albums have been listed as good introductions to jazz. One of them is 1952's Two Volumes of Genius of Modern Music, which featured his 78 RPM singles from the late 1940s. But for me, Monk is best appreciated when he was allowed to stretch out, which three and a half minutes 78 RPM records didn't allow. So I want to take a look at another album that was listed by three bloggers as one of his best, a 1957 album on Riverside Records called Brilliant Corners. From that album, here is Panonica, where he plays piano and Celeste. Also featured here are Sonny Rollins on tenor sax, Oscar Pettiford bass, and Max Roach drums.
Thelonious Monk from his Riverside album of 1957. That's Panonica. Let's move to some jazz funk and the Herbie Hancock Headhunters album of 1973. One of the four tracks, Watermelon Man, was a reworking of his 1962 composition that became a hit for Mongo Santa Maria. Here is the Headhunters version with Herbie Hancock on Fender Rhodes and other keyboards, Bernie Maupin on various woodwinds, Paul Jackson bass guitar, Harvey Mason drums, and Bill Summers starting out the tune with a bit of beer bottle. Thank you. 
Herbie Hancock, Watermelon Man, from the Headhunters album of 1973. When you think of fusion, we often forget about that fusion of rhythm and blues and jazz, and one of the best-known exponents was Louis Jordan in the 1940s. And interestingly, in looking at sites that presented lists of albums that are a good introduction to jazz, only one of them, Pop Matters, mentioned Louis Jordan, citing a Best of Louis Jordan album. From 1949, this one spent 12 weeks at number one on the Rhythm and Blues charts. Saturday Night Fish Fry, Louis Jordan and his Timpani Five. Now if you've ever been down to New Orleans, then you can understand just what I mean. Now all through the week it's quiet as a mouse, but on Saturday night they go from house to house. You don't have to pay the usual admission if you're a cook or a waiter or a good musician. So if you happen to be just passing by, stop in at the Saturday night fish fry. It was rocking. It was rocking. You never see such scuffling and shuffling until the break of dawn. On the main stem Fooling around just me and him We decided we could use a little something to eat So we went to a house on Rampart Street We knocked on the door and it opened with ease And a lush little miss said, come in please And before we could even bat an eye We were right in the middle of a big fish fry It was rocking It was rocking You never seen such scuffling and shuffling Till the break of dawn Over in the corner was a beat-up grand Being played by a big fat piano man Now some of the chicks wore expensive frocks Some of them had on bobby socks But everybody was nice and high At this particular Saturday night fish fry It, it was, was rocking It was rocking You never see that scuffling and shuffling Till the break of dawn It was rocking joy begin. Now we figured this was a good place to play, cause the party was already underway. But all of a sudden the lights went low, and everybody made straight for the front door. Man, I was so scared I didn't know where to go. I stood right there, then I fell on the floor. It was rocking. It was rocking. You never see that scuffling and shuffling till the break of dawn. screaming and jumping and yelling the bottles was flying and the fish was smelling and way up above all the noise they made somebody holler better get out of here this is a raid i didn't know we were breaking the law 
But somebody reached over and hit me on the jaw They had us blocked off from the front to the back And they were putting them in the wagon like potato sacks It wasn't rocking It wasn't rocking You never seen such scuffling and shuffling till the break of dawn It wasn't rocking It wasn't rocking You never seen such scuffling and shuffling till the break of dawn I knew I could get away if I had a chance, but I was shaking like I had the St. Vitus dance. And I tried to crawl under a bathtub when the policeman said, where you going now, bub? Now they got us out of there like a house of fire, put us all in that black marae. Now they might have missed a pitiful few, but they got both me and my buddy too. It was rocking. It was rocking. You never seen such scuffling and shuffling till the break of dawn. It was rocking. It was rocking. You never seen such scuffling and shuffling till the break of dawn. We headed for jail in a day's condition. They put each one of us on suspicion. Now my chick came down and went my bail and finally got me out of that rotten jail. Now, if you ever want to get a fist in your eye, just mention a Saturday night fish fry. I don't care how many fish in the sea, but don't ever mention a fish to me. It was rocking. It was rocking. You never seen that scuffling and shuffling till the break of dawn. It was rocking. Don't you love that electric guitar of, I believe, Carl Hogan? That tune is probably a forerunner of rock and roll. Louis Jordan and the Timpani Five from 1949. And while the genre was officially called jump blues, it derived from the big bands of the early 40s, such as Lionel Hampton. So I think it's fairly safe to also refer to it as jazz, even if some might disagree. And it can be a great introduction to jazz for the person who thinks they don't like jazz. I mentioned last week that there were only a couple of Canadian albums on the lists of essential jazz albums for beginners. One that did make at least one list is Night Train, by Montreal pianist Oscar Peterson from 1963. The songs were shorter than on many jazz albums because they were hoping for some of the tracks to be played on commercial radio. And while I don't think any of the tunes made the hit parade charts, the album sold very well and remains popular. Here he is with uh, Georgia on my mind, and I suspect his arrangement of this Hoagie Carmichael tune was influenced by the Ray Charles hit version that came out a couple years prior. Oscar Peterson Trio with Ray Brown on bass and Ed Thigpen drums. Thank you. 
Oscar Peterson Trio, George On My Mind, from 1963's Soul Train album. I mentioned last week how the late 1950s probably spawned some of the best and the most lasting jazz albums. Four horn-led albums from the late 1950s, early 60s that jazz jammers and students also referred to are Hank Mobley and Soul Station, Lee Morgan, Sidewinder, Cannonball Adderley's Something Else and John Coltrane's Blue Train. Some of them I'll play a track from next week, but for now, let's go with Something Else. The Cannonball Adderley classic album from 1958, where Miles Davis ends up being a sideman. Just as Cannonball ended up being a sideman for him for Milestones and a year later for Kind of Blue. Four bloggers listed something else by Cannonball Adderley in their lists of albums that beginners to jazz must hear. I'm going to play a track. It's on Blue Note Records, and like most Blue Note albums at the time, it was engineered by Rudy Van Gelder, who established an incredible reputation for putting together superb-sounding albums. This one is no exception. You can especially hear the clarity of the horns, drums, and bass. Maybe not so much with the piano. I'll play their version of Love for Sale with Sam Jones bass, Art Blakey drums, Cannonball Adderley leader and alto sax, and starting off with the piano of Hank Jones and the trumpet of Miles Davis. Thank you. 
Love for Sale, Cannonball Adderley, with his very popular Something Else album of 1958. Earlier, I played a track by Louis Jordan from 1949, mentioning that a collection of some of his greatest hits was heralded by Pop Matters as one of the best jazz albums for beginners. The writer of that article is Will Lehman, and it was something he posted last January, the 20 best jazz albums for beginners. At the end was a 2020 album by somebody I'd never heard of. He's a Seattle-born pianist named Aaron Parks, and apparently he has a few albums out. This particular one is called Little Big Two, Dream of the Mechanical Man. I'm not sure why it's supposed to be so great for newbies to jazz, but Will Lehman explains it this way. Aaron Parks is one of a stable of new century jazz pianists, including Brad Meldow, Matt Mitchell, Gerald Clayton, Robert Glasper, and John Baptiste. They seamlessly infuse jazz, that's in quotes, with influences beyond the classic jazz canon. Park's music has an indie rock vibe, but uses hip-hop rhythms as well. Play it for everyone and watch them grow transfixed. Unquote. So okay, I'll play it for you. I've listened to parts of it that I must say I do like what I've heard so far. I'll finish this program with a track called The Shadow and the Self. Aaron Parks. And this is Larry Sademan. Next week, more jazz for beginners. And I'm sure jazz veterans will like it too. Just like you'll probably like Aaron Parks. Bye for now. Mm-hmm. 